0: Welcome to the Insight Ministries podcast. We're your hosts, John and Megan Pop. We want to thank you for listening. We hope the messages on this podcast encourage you and bless you. Connect with us on social media, or for more information, check out our website, keepchristinsight.com. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, I'm here
1: with my friend, John Pop. You just started your ministry. What's the name of it?
0: Yeah, Insight Ministries.
1: What's your focus?
0: Yeah, so um, our focus really, Hebrews 12 too, is everything about keeping Christ in sight. And so like all of our tags are keep Christ in sight. But the idea being that we operate in our lives doing everything with Jesus Christ in full view. And by that, we make our decisions. We parent our kids. We love our spouse. We serve our community. (laughs) But with everything, having Christ in sight. So that's kind of where we came up with the name Insight Ministries. We just launched it this year, actually.
1: It's yeah. mainly itinerant and teaching, and, and that's it-
0: correct. Yeah, we do uh, we do some podcasts, uh, social media posts, but then we're starting to pick up itinerant uh, travel a little bit more, and mostly speaking engagements. And it's it's me and my wife as well. She she speaks, and uh, we just did a, a women's conference earlier this <laughs> year, and then wrapped up with a, a little bit of preaching around the Kentucky area, and then came back. So yeah,
1: that's beautiful, man. So my delight is to ask you this question: mm. What is God? Been teaching you as you're walking with him right now in this season of your life.
0: Yeah, man, <laughs> so much. That's such a good question. Um, I would say that most recently, what has really stuck in my spirit, and it's been I've been chewing on it. It's really challenged me. I read this quote from Fenelone, and uh, he was writing to uh, you know his his tutor that he was mentoring, and he said, "You've given up your major vices." and now you're ready to be canonized as a saint. Because, he said, uh, you're not judging yourself by the standard of the gospel, but by your past life. And this, man, it hit me really hard because I started to think about the times in my life where I've been able to look back and say, oh, you know, maybe in this season, my discipline with the Lord is better. Or maybe I'm, I feel more in love with the Lord or my experiences are better. I'm reading more of his word. And in that moment, I'm using the wrong standard to measure. And so what happens is it, it gives the opportunity for pride to enter, right? And so I've had to take sort of inventory of my life and say, wait a minute, is my standard the gospel, Right, Second uh, Corinthians three eighteen is you know that we we're staring into a mirror with unveiled face, looking at the glory of the Lord, and we're transformed mm-hmm. into that same image. Uh, the ESV says from one degree of glory to the next, right, uh, by the Spirit. And so, if uh, according to Romans eight, I've been predestined to be conformed into His image, then Christ is the standard, and our testimonies are powerful. Revelation says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. But even our testimony, the Lord has been showing me, cannot be the measurement of the standard. It's not, I'm doing better than I was back then. I'm, you know, I'm more sanctified today than I was a year ago or 10 years ago. Man, that can't be our standard. Our standard is Christ and Him crucified. And when I look to the Lamb, I keep Christ in sight, then I realize that. The only healthy comparison to have is against the cross, against Christ, and and not against others, but also not against my former past self, as Fenelone is pointing out here. It has to be the standard of the gospel. And so that's that's helped me rearrange priorities in my life, um, look back at seasons in a healthy way, and also be challenged to not allow, oh, I'm doing better, to create pride that will seep in. In, into my heart, right? Um so that's kind of yeah, that's mm-hmm. where I've been at lately. And this this notion of pride is so deadly. Um and that's, that's one question I have for you is just how do we how do we allow the Lord to deal with pride that comes into our heart? Cuz sometimes it's sneaky. It's not always mm-hmm. announcing itself when it walks in the room. So how do we how do we submit to the Lord to allow him to deal with the pride in our lives?
1: You know, there's a quote from Spurgeon uh, that a vision of God is the quietus of pride. Mm. It's it's a it's a decapitation of pride. A vision of God, I think, seeing God as He's revealed Himself in the Scriptures, in His grand grandness, greatness, His sovereignty and glory and splendor and majesty and character. It's He's so uh, other than us that to gaze upon Him is to see Him rightly, and then. Also, see ourselves rightly. I just was reading in uh, Genesis chapter uh, 18. Abraham has been called by God, <clears throat> he's been uh, used by God, he's had apparitions of the <laughs> Lord Almighty, and all of these things are wonderful. And even then, Abraham says to God, I'm but dust and ashes. Yeah. His great sight of God gave him a proper view of self that he is dust and ashes. And even the scriptures tells us in the Psalms that God remembers that we're dust. You know, I think that a pride comes from, m- many times, such a high view of yourself, such a focus upon yourself, because there's been a lack of viewing God, specifically as he's revealed himself in the scriptures, and as he's revealed himself to be to us, even in history. You can look at how he's been. So these things for me help me. I mean, when you think of what praise is, it is the exaltation of God, who he is and what he does. You know, it's funny when Abraham is visited by God in that same passage, he falls to his face. He falls down on his face by seeing the Lord. And we see this with Moses as well, seeing the Lord falling down. Uh, John sees Jesus and his glory falls down. So maybe high heads are dim sights mm. you know when, when you're when your head gets raised up and you think yourself great maybe it's because our sight of him is dim which yeah. brings us back to insight <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so let, let me ask you tell me some practical ways that you and your wife and your family try to keep christ quote insight very practical yeah. like today? yeah. How are you keeping Christ in sight?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, it comes with cultivating a uh, relationship with Christ, getting to know what Christ is like. And I think that comes two ways. It comes through uh, the scriptures primarily. Um, uh, one of the things I, I, I love to pray is, is uh, Holy Spirit, unlock the word with the word. You know, Christ being the word from from the very beginning, uh, as it says in John chapter one. And so chewing upon the scriptures daily and just allowing him to be revealed. And man, I'll tell you, in my experience, sometimes it's in the passages that are most familiar to me. It's the passages that maybe I can quote, you know, uh, off the top of my head, or they roll around in my spirit. But then I sit down and I and I physically read them, and go over each word and let it speak to me. and 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 I think it takes patience. You have to sit and just allow Him to speak, and and that comes in sitting in silence before Him and just drowning out the distractions. But when I do that, I start to see Him more rightly. And in that view, uh, I can then start to apply what he's like to my life by the scriptures. And the second way is through experiencing him. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus takes his inner circle of disciples up on the mountain and, um. You know, there's talk between, you know, Peter saying, I don't, I don't know what to say, so maybe we should build a tabernacle to you and to Moses and Elijah. And then a cloud appears and, and the, the voice of the Father affirming this is Jesus. And it says that when the cloud lifts, they see Jesus only. And so that experience of letting everything else fade out of you and experiencing Him. And that comes by, you know, prayer by worship, by time with family, we we sit down and do uh, family Bible studies, and we talk through the scriptures with the girls, and and, and uh, we have two daughters, and so with, with our girls, and um, as well as together. And then, as as a spouse, you also have to be able to facilitate that time for the other person to also have that time of experience and time in the Word. So that it's important you do it together but you also have to have that personal walk and in that daily experience mm. and that daily meditating on the word then the rest of my day can be framed with him in sight i might have to go to a meeting i might have to go to the grocery store but then i'm chewing on what did he feed me this morning in the word and what was his touch like this morning what what did he speak to our family when we gathered around the dinner table last night those kinds of things help us practically to keep Him in view. And I think that's important. You know, one of the big things that we've been talking about lately in our family is just dependency on Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's so critical that we depend on the Lord. Uh, You know, uh, John Richards and I were talking about in, in a previous podcast that the absence of the fear of the Lord in our life looks like a lack of dependency. And so in thinking of how to practically keep Christ in sight, You are one of the best people I know about speaking about the dependency of Christ, um, just the way you articulate it. So what are some practical ways to stay dependent on the Lord in your personal walk?
1: I think that where you started concerning the gospel being the standard, the gospel being that sight of Christ that's needed. I I really feel like the gospel keeps me in that place of dependency. Mm. There's that scripture that we love so much in Colossians, as you received him, so walk in him. Mm. And even in 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel in which you stand, there's this understanding of everything, life, God, yourself, inside the gospel, that it makes a disposition of faith and dependency. Mm. It puts all the the ducks where they need to be so that the internal makeup says I need you God. I need you God. Yeah. So I really feel like remembering the gospel, keeping the gospel before our eyes, it really helps me stay in that place of dependency. I mean, let's even think about it in a real practical way. Like today, I woke up, I come in here and I just begin to go through what this gospel actually is. That God who created all things, the one who created everything in the sea and everything in the earth, everything in the heavens, that he has loved humanity so much that he came here mm. as one of us to live a life I could never live, perfect in every thought, word, motive, intention, everything. And then he dies a death that I deserve. Already I'm starting to feel like, well, who is this? Right. You know. And he dies this death that I deserve. And he raised to, he's raised to life. And then he ascends to glory, to sit at the right hand of the father. And then soon he will return and he will reconcile all things to himself. He will exercise perfect judgment in the world. He will rid the world of all. Thinking of these things, it makes the heart begin to say, whoa, who is this? This person that deserves love and adoration. I would be a fool not to trust him. I would be absolutely insane to say, I know better than him. I am better than him. I can do better than him. And I believe that's the essence of dependency, recognizing there is no one wiser. There is no one greater. There's no one more powerful. There's no one more good. And because of this, I throw myself with practical logic because it looks in a way that makes things be seen so clearly that I am, an, I am a fool if I do not trust in God, you know, as the scripture says, it says uh, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God, uh, you know, so to believe God brings dependency. Yeah, You know, it's, it's the essence of faith, you know, to trust in him, to believe in him. And, and even from there to be to long for him and to love him and to by faith, enjoy him. Mm-hmm. And, and not just enjoy him, but then co-labor with him and then have his life begin to come through us in, in a transformative way, changing the way that we act and respond to things. And all of this back to this one major understanding that if I believe that God is who he says he is, that should change everything about the way that I see the world, the way that I see myself, the way that I see life, and it should create disposition of dependency we could actually say that dependency is the way faith expresses itself Mm. Uh, even as we were talking last night john chapter 15 the branch is totally dependent upon the vine it can do nothing of itself jesus makes this very clear Uh, so uh, let's do this let's say there's somebody watching out there right now Mm -hmm. a blue-collar worker maybe a mom doing dishes maybe another minister such as yourself, maybe a Bible school student. If you were to look into this camera right here and give them a word of encouragement or advice, mm. what would you say to them?
0: Man, you know, I think I would say that he's, he's worthy. He's enough. He's, he's so much more worth it than we can even describe. Um, whatever you're going through, whatever you're doing, He's worth you giving your best. Um, it, in every aspect of life, when you feel like it, when you don't, He's worthy of it. Uh, and, and when you begin to give Him just the smallest amount of attention, that's all he's, he's looking for. When you give him the smallest amount of attention, he turns full force his affection towards you and it becomes so overwhelming. And in reality, once you've locked into that dependency of saying, okay, Lord, I give up. I need you. You realize that in a lot of ways, the pressure's taken off. You don't have to strive anymore. Uh, like you said in in the John fifteen passage, you don't have to produce the fruit; he produces it through you and and I think sometimes we build it up in our head this oh, but I have to have everything right, and i have to I have to be able to you know uh make sure that I'm disciplined enough or I have to clear my schedule with enough time, I have to be able to uh give up these vices and in reality, you just gotta give up. You don't have to give up your your what's holding you back. You just have to throw your hands up and say, I can't do it. And then he says, that's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for you to just throw your hands up in surrender. Um, you know, I heard a, a story one time, somebody said, uh, we we throw our hands up in worship because as a child, uh, a child throws their hands up when they want to be lifted up. Mm. And so when we just throw our hands up and we say, man, I, I can't do it anymore. You realize he was waiting for that and he comes rushing in and he overwhelms your life with such affection and gives you such attention that you feel like everything you could ever need is locked up in the person of Jesus. And in that all the burdens of life start to lift and you realize he wanted to carry you all along. And that's what dependency is. It's not about, it's not about failing. It's not about, um, it's not about getting everything uh, to a place where it's perfect. It's just about surrender. And, and I love Leonard Ravenhill had this quote. He said, Lord, make me strong where I'm weak and make me weak where I'm strong. And so sometimes I think it's just about sort of submitting to that, man, I feel, I feel like I'm, um, I've got a good grip on this. But you start to realize that, oh, wait, I don't. And in that, he's making you weak so that that surrender flows from you and to him. And then he picks you up and carries you. Uh, so I would just recommend give him a shot because he's worth it. Mm. Just yield to him. And, 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 and let him carry you, you know. Um, it takes a, a measure of humility to be able to do that. A large measure of humility. You, you said something to the effect Sunday when you preached. You said, um, it's easier to admire humility than to practice it. Like, that struck me. Because it's like, oh, we love seeing humility in others. But when we have to <laughs> practice humility, it's difficult. And some of that yielding is just a humbling Right, so um, I think w- w- one question I, I have uh, on the topic of humility is how do we uh, how do we come to the Lord in humility and recognize the places in our life mm. where we need to be more humble mm. because that I think also ties into dependency.
1: You know, there's a level of de- of of humility. That can only come, I believe, through friends.
0: Mm, That's good.
1: Like somebody looking at your life, Uh, you know, because I've been blind so many times in my life and I needed someone to love me enough to say, hey man, maybe you should rethink this, you know. And at first it stings and you're like, what do you know, you know, or like, I've been doing this a long time or or, I I know God, you know, (laughs) and like this thing rises up on the inside instead of just taking a step back and saying, well, let me actually think about what I've been saying here or what I've been doing here and test it against the word and allowing a brother to be able to shine the word at you, Mm. I think is a very important thing. I can go down the list of times in my life where a brother loved me enough to say something to me Mm. and it ended up shifting me. And, and I think that's a very important thing because if you will turn a deaf ear to someone who's loving you enough to try to help you then that indicates a real stubborn stiff-necked kind of pride yeah that is just uh it's it hurts the lord and it makes you really blind mm. and uh, so I, I think this is very important you know to have friends who will love you enough to speak the truth in love to quote ephesians um but but also you know, the letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly mm. in that whole, what we're doing right now, sharing the word with one, one another. Sometimes you don't have to look at a person, point at them and say, bro, you did this, you did this wrong. Right. You know, you just open up something from the scriptures and say, hey, dude, did you ever think about this one? Yeah. You know, what do you think about this? And you can actually end up correcting a person just by pulling their attention to the scripture in that area, as opposed to having to, you do, I believe at times have to directly and sharply say something to a brother. But a lot of times it doesn't have to start there. It's just taking that subject and looking at it together in the scripture and letting the scripture be the conviction and the correction. Uh, So I think this is one of the aspects of walking humble that God really likes. I think he he really enjoys when we get along because he loves us and we're his children. And I love seeing when my daughters get along well and laugh together and and are in harmony. I love it. It makes my heart happy. Sometimes I just walk in the room when they're doing it. I'm just like, "Yeah, this is it. You guys okay. are doing it." <laughs> I wonder if the Lord feels very similar with us. Mm. So much so that when I can put my arm around a brother, or let's say this, when I can let a brother put his arm around me, and say, "Hey, bro, um, what you said the other day, it's not exactly accurate." Mm. You know, uh, to me, that should be like fresh water being poured over me. It should be a a joy to say we are committed to truth even more than we're committed to one another, Mm -hmm. though our commitment to one another is also a commitment to truth as Mm -hmm. well. But there should be something that's so, um, there's something in love that desires the better of a person Mm -hmm. so much so that if there's something on your lip, it's good for me to say, hey, you you got something here, instead of just letting you look like a fool. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, and it may not feel good when somebody says, hey, you got something on your lip. You may be like, oh, really? You know, really? <laughs> but the, the truth of the matter is, is that love mm. is a perfect bond of unity. Yeah. And, and I believe that that love is willing to, as Craig Keener would say, call Peter to the carpet, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and say, you were not being like this before they came. Mm-hmm. And now you're being like this, you know? So I, I feel like it's very important. Now, there's so many other ways we could attack humility, but I felt like that's a very neglected one. Yeah. And, and it's one that's very telling. It's sharp mm-hmm. uh, because it's difficult to be corrected by a brother. Why don't we end by this? Uh, why don't you pray? It mm-hmm. seems like dependency, humility on, on Christ, his gospel, keeping him in sight, that these are the things that the Lord kind of guided us towards today. Mm-hmm. Would you pray for every viewer in us that God would do this work by his spirit.
0: Absolutely. Be honored to. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this glorious gospel that you've given to us. Lord, we al- I-, I pray that we would allow it to be the standard by which we live our lives, that we operate in dependency on you. That we, would, that we would humble ourselves and walk in community with brothers and with sisters who in humility can lovingly show us when our lives have strayed from the standard of the gospel. I pray that, Lord, you'd make us desperate for you. When we've come to the end of our rope, it's the best place to be because that's when you carry us and so, Lord, we just surrender to you, Lord. We pray that there would be a, a, a renewal of hunger on the inside of each of us, of myself, Lord, that that is not satisfied until we taste of you daily, until we are fed from the bread of heaven, until we can taste and see that you are good, and in doing so. Lord, it allows us to put our trust in you all the more. I pray that in every season of life, there would be such a satisfaction and yet a holy burning hunger for more of you that it leads us into greater levels of dependency, greater levels of humility. Mm. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illuminate any part of our hearts that are darkened by pride Mm. and let them be surrendered to the finished work of the cross as we place Christ in sight and we live our lives devoted to the Lord. Walking this out in community and love and fellowship with one another. Be in our midst and Lord, stay in our sight. You are worthy of all of our attention. And so we pour it out on you. We love you. We thank you for this time together. We pray that this conversation will be a blessing to all those who hear it. And may, us, may, and may we all continue, each of us, with you in sight. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.